Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. I want you to um, get ready in a moment to stand, but I always like to start with something funny. And um, I heard this conversation that took place between a doctor and a patient. And um, so I'm going to tell you that conversation. Doctor to patient, I have bad news for you. I'm sorry to tell you, you have rabies and it's likely fatal. Patient to doctor. Well, uh, doctor, could I have a pen and some paper? Doctor to patient, are you going to write out your last will and testament? Patient to doctor, no, no, I'm going to make a list of all the people I'm going to bite. Um, How many of you know some people are always ready? Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going we're gonna to read this passage together. Yeah, that was about a seven or maybe a five, maybe a five. Some of you are like, no, no, it was much worse than that, Pastor Jerry, much worse than that. I got to tell you, it's tough every week coming up with another story. So if you got a good one, make sure you email me. I'd love to hear it. You know, we've been talking about this concept of how culture is shifting. What do we do when culture is shifting away from God and his principles? How do we stand strong? And this, I believe, is our foundational passage. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. I want everyone to read this with me. All of you joining us online, let's read it together. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. See, what this tells us is that when life shifts, let me know that life will shift on you. Let me know culture is shifting. And how do we stand strong in the midst of that? Well, the Bible says there's one way. And that's to build our lives, our decisions, our families on the foundation of God's word. People are kind of pushing the word aside. Well, it's just another book with interesting things. But God says you need to build your life on me, on my truth. So I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. We know that you're here and we ask that you would begin to do what only you can do. Penetrate past life, its challenges. Penetrate past the callousness that comes sometimes from trials or disappointment. And begin to work and plant your seed, your truth inside of us. We want to stand strong, Lord, we don't want to shift. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. We've been talking about the book of Daniel. We're working through that book over the next several weeks. And this book is a prophetic book uh, telling us through the story of Daniel and the the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these stories. In fact, next week we're going to dive into that story of the fiery furnace and how they were supposed to bow before the image that the king had created. And we're going to dive into that next week. But this week I want to kind of teach for a little bit and lay a foundation Last week, we learned and unmasked the the agenda of culture. Um, The spirit of the enemy is behind culture. There's not like this person who's out there that's in charge of culture. Culture just begins to happen. 
in nations and in the world. But we know there's a spirit behind it, and we're going to talk about that spirit behind it. Last week, we learned that culture wants to do three things. The first thing culture wants to do is it wants to change your identity. We learned, secondly, that it wants to um, begin to uh, compromise your standards. Pretty soon, you'll begin to say, it's just, and the next thing you know, you're, you're your standards have eroded. And then the last thing we learned is that culture wants to test your commitments. And the question is, are you ready for the test? And a lot of Christians end up being in one extreme or the other. They're the angry Christian or they're the appeasing Christian. And so this week, I want to kind of take things a little bit further. And I want to say that if we're not careful, we can become a reflection of our culture rather than the people who set the tone of the culture. How many know that some people live life as a thermometer? And their environment dictates what they are. If it's hot, the thermometer is hot. If it's cold, if the surrounding conditions are cold, it's cold. And if we're not careful as Christians, we're the thermometer, but God hasn't called us to be the thermometer. God has called us to be the thermostat. Because the thermostat dictates the culture. It dictates the conditions of its environment. And so we've we're going to dive into, I believe, what is the single culprit to an ungodly culture. I believe it drives evil, it drives sin, and I want to label it today, and it's simply this, the Babylon mentality. And some of you are saying, why are you talking about the Babylon mentality? Well, we're using the book of Daniel. In Daniel, we learn that the king of Babylon brought the children of Israel into captivity. The children of Israel moved away from God and they ended up enslaved far from what they were supposed to be. And so the Babylon mentality, I want you to understand something, that the story of this, the story in Daniel was set in Babylon and Babylon is a geographical location. In fact, today it was what we would be considered present day Iraq. So this is where this story took place. But I want you to know something, Babylon is not a locality, it's a mentality. Can I say that again? Babylon is not a locality, it's a mentality. There's a spirit that has existed from the very beginning of time, and it has worked its way through culture all throughout history, and I believe it will be here until the very end. In fact, I'm going to show you real quickly as I teach for a few minutes, in the Bible, some examples of this Babylon mentality. But I want to start by exposing Satan's big lie. Here's Satan's big lie. You ready? Satan's big lie is, Satan or culture is, I'm all about you. I care about you. And the other part of the lie is, God is all about himself. Go all the way to back to the Garden of Eden. God doesn't want you to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can have everything else. God has provided all of this to you. And what happens? Satan comes along. This spirit comes along. And here's what it says. It's like, listen, God doesn't really care about you. I'm the one that care about, cares about you. Because I want you to eat the fruits so you can know good and evil. God doesn't want you to be like him. God's not really all about you. He, he's about himself. He's trying to protect himself. He's not about you. I am all about you. And that's the premise behind, uh, I think, so much of what takes place in culture. So let's go back to the beginning, and let's see the Babylon mentality in the beginning, where it starts, at least where it's named. We're going to go back to a passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. Now, you all awake today, say amen. amen. 
You already learned some stuff to say amen. amen. What happened was, is we know that the world had, had, had was created, man began to sin, so God has to purge the earth. Now, I know sometimes those conversations are tough. How could God do that? And let me say, if you have questions, we're going to do our best to answer those questions. We're going to have a special podcast called The Table. We're going to do it at the end of this series, and it'll be available on the Tuesday after the last sermon in this series. And you can go to it on demand, and you can listen to it. In fact, if you want to ask a question, not every question will make it to the podcast, but we're going to take the questions, and we're going to try to answer as many as we can. All you have to do is pull out your prayer card, put your question on your prayer card, and put it in the offering bag. And we're going to take those, and we're going to try to answer some questions. God had to purge the earth. I know that's a big question for people. How could God do that? It's not for this sermon or this discussion right now. But we know that then after that, um, after Noah and the ark and all of that, God saved humanity, began to grow. And here's where we pick up on the story. Then they said, the people who now existed on the earth, come, let us build a city for, what's the next word? For ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. In other words, we want to be like God. We're going to get to the heavens. We're going to build this for us. This is about us. This will make us famous. This is about us. And keep us from being scattered all over the world. They made it all about themselves. The big lie of Satan is, I'm about you. God's not about you. I'm about you. God's about him. And then when God sees what's taking place, we go on to, to Genesis chapter 11. Then it says, then that is why. Now, so God comes and he gives them all different languages and they spread out. Now, there's a whole teaching there that we could dive into that's pretty cool, but we're not going to today. But here's where we get the idea of Babylon and what it means, the Babylon mentality. That is why the city was called, what's the word? Babel. Babel because that is where the Lord, what's the next word? Confused the people with different languages. Here's what the word Babylon means confusion. The word Babel in the Bible means, in the Hebrew, confusion. And I want to, to share with you today uh, an idea that I believe, and it's simply this. I believe that if you follow another way besides God's way, you are inviting confusion into your life. You're inviting confusion into your business. You're inviting confusion into your family. You're inviting confusion into your calling, into your destiny. Come on, let's be honest. We live in a confused world. People are confused when they go and grab a gun and walk into a school and shoot people because someone said something not very nice about them. I mean, no, that's, that's confusion. Taking multiple lives, that's confusion. Mental confusion, spiritual confusion. We live in a world that is confused. You look at it in every way, politically. You look at it socially. You look at so many things. We, there's just so much confusion. Babel is wrapped up in a thinking that brings confusion. So we see at the beginning, kind of the idea of Babel is the idea, this Babel or Babylon mentality is that when we do things not God's way, when we don't build our life on the foundation of God's truth, his word, then suddenly things start to get confusing that maybe weren't confusing before. Now let's go to the end of the Bible, because I'm going to show you at the end of the Bible. We see it at the beginning of the Bible, and we see it at the end. In fact, we see it at the very beginning of the Bible when, when the serpent went into the garden and started to confuse Eve, right? Now watch what happens at the end in the book of Revelation. 
Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, it says, A mysterious name was written on her forehead. This is the great beast. And, and here's what it was. What's the next word? Babylon the Great. Mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. In other words, the root of all evil we see at the end of the world is this Babylon. This confusion. Where people get things out of order, get things confused. In fact, if we go to the middle of the Bible, and I'm not going to show you the verse, but I'm going to tell you about it. In Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, he actually begins to prophesy about Babylon. And here's what he says. He says, in Babylon, Babylon says, the great Babylon says, watch this, I am. Have we ever heard that before in the Bible? What did, Jesus, or, I mean, sorry, what did God call himself when he introduced himself to Moses? I am that I am. Now the confusing spirit, Babylon, says, I am, and it goes on to say, there is none beside me. You see, a Babylon mentality, here's what it does. Through the confusion, it gets you self-focused. So much that now you start to think you're smarter than God, you know better than God, the earth better than God. You know, the earth has evolved. Socially, we've evolved. So many things have evolved. God, when he wrote the Bible and gave it to us as a foundation of truth, he didn't anticipate that culture would be here. He didn't anticipate that socially would be here. And before you know it, you become so self-focused that you begin to say, well, I know better than God. God didn't know what he was talking about. If, if he had written it later, it would have been different. So I can judge better. I know better. I could write better laws. I know right and wrong better than God. See, the Babylon mentality, here's what it begins to get you to do. Here's a few things. Write these down. Number one, you start to become self-adoring. Come on, now how many know we live in a culture that is becoming increasingly self-adoring? You know how you can tell? How many have ever heard of this? Come on, the selfie did not exist five years ago or whatever, right? Now people are obsessed with selfies, and they don't just take a selfie, they boomerang it. So they can see them taking the selfie. Come on, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So funny, the other day, my daughter Haley, we have this new dog, little puppy, his, his name is Hubble. And uh, Haley and I were in the kitchen, and she goes, Dad, have you seen Hubble? Watch him. And so he runs over, and we have this long mirror that goes all the way to the floor. And she's like, Hubble loves to run and look at himself in the mirror. It's so cute. And sometimes he'll go up, and he'll look at it, and he's trying to figure out what in the world is this. You know, have you ever had a dog do that? She says, he does it all the time. And I was cracking up, and we were laughing about it. I said, and then I said, Haley, he does it more than you do. And then she's like, I, that's not funny, Dad. It's not funny at all. You see, the bottom line is, is that when you become caught in a Babylon mentality, you become self-absorbed, and now suddenly you start to look at you. Now, we're going to look at this in Daniel, but that's what we do. A selfie. How do I look? How do other people think I look? What? And we become self-adoring. We start to see all the greatness in us. Now, let me say, I'm not here to say we're not supposed to have a, 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 self, a strong self-esteem, that we're not to know who we are in Christ. We talked about that last week, but that's what... The Babylon mentality, you become self-adoring. Here's the second thing. You become self-building. Here's what that means. God, I can do this without you. Because, you know, most of us say, I'd never say that, Pastor Jared, but here's what happens. A problem comes, 
And what do we do? God, I need you. God, I need you. And then suddenly things start to go good and we're like, I got it. Or we say it this way, I might. I got this. I can do this. I know how to do this. I know, God, what your word says. I know we're supposed to tithe. I know we're supposed to attend church. I know we're supposed to serve and use our gifts. I know we're supposed to be in a circle, but you don't understand. I got this. I'm building my business. I'm, we're, we're a staff. I'm getting this new home. We're getting that. And suddenly, before you know, we're self-building. We're building that tower. Y'all with me? Self-adoring, self-building. Here's another one. Self-indulging. In other words, here's what the lie of Babylon tells you. The, the Babylon mentality says, God doesn't want me to, to have what I want. Because remember, the lie, God's about him. And the enemy is about me. And what we do is we start saying, well, God, I, I, I want this. I, I, I love this. I, I deserve this. Maybe you say this isn't good for me, but... You're just trying, because and here's the next, the next part of it, is then we start to believe this, and that is that God doesn't love me. Because if God loved me, he'd let me have what I want. He'd let me do what I want. Which ultimately means God isn't for me. God's not for me. God's all about him. Remember, that's the big lie. And so today what I want to do is I want to take this concept of a Babylon mentality, because remember, Babylon is not a locality, it's a mentality. And if we're not careful, we start to get confused. And so what I want to do is I want to take the fourth chapter of Daniel, and I want to read to you a little bit of the story of how someone literally got into a state of confusion, lost everything, but found his way home back to God's best in his life when he began to... Get rid of that confusion. And there's something that has to happen in that process. Y'all with me? Shout amen. amen. So here we go. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible has a, a kingdom that's massive. They've, they've defeated lots of enemies. They have all of this wealth. They have a massive army. They, they're known for one of the great things of the world. You know how we have the, the what are they, the eight great, uh, what are they called? The wonders of the world. One of the, in, in that time period, one of the seven wonders of the world were the hanging gardens of Babylon. It's this beautiful place. So it says that Nebuchadnezzar was living in his palace in comfort and in prosperity. And then he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees this massive tree that has all of this fruit. And suddenly, an axe comes and chops the tree down. And all that's left are the stump and the roots. And he doesn't understand what the, the dream means. And he goes to all of his magicians and spiritualists, and none of them could un interpret it. And finally, someone says, you need to go to Daniel. You know, Daniel, the one who, he, he didn't eat meat for 10 days. And, and the Bible says that, by the way, after they didn't eat meat for 10 days, we learned this last week, and they didn't, you know, conform to the culture. They did it God's way, that it gave them influence. And the king discovered that they were the wisest of all the men in his, his core leadership. And he raised them up to help lead the nation. So they say, you need to get Daniel because he can interpret dreams. Daniel comes in and Daniel does something very courageous because he, un he understands. God shows him what the, the dream means and he's courageous. How many know sometimes in culture we have to be courageous? And so he interprets the dream. And basically, here's what he says. Daniel chapter 4 verse 22. 
that tree, your majesty, is you. Now, he knew this was courageous because if the king didn't like his interpretation, he'd cut off his head. He said, king, the, the dream is you. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. In other words, you're going to sleep outside. And he says, seven periods of time, seven years, will pass while you live this way. In other words, you're this awesome tree right now that has everything, but you're going to basically lose it all. It's going to be cut at the stump. He said, but after seven years, you're going to, you're going to live this way for seven years until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. The stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. Here's what he prophesies. He says, listen, king, you're going to go insane. You're going to get so mentally confused, you're going to lose it. And you're going to be so insane that you're going to lose your kingdom. But the day that you get it right, when you realize that God loves you, that God is in control, that he is the most high, that you haven't placed yourself, you haven't made it all about you, but that God is God and you're who you are, when you get that right, the confusion is going to disappear and you're going to get it all back. And if you read through chapter 4, that's exactly what happens. One year later, the Bible says that he's walking into his garden and he's looking at all that he has, and he starts to get arrogant, he starts to be self-adoring, he starts to be self-indulging, he starts looking at, look what I have, look what I've conquered, look what, look what I've done, and suddenly he starts going crazy, and he literally goes insane. He's driven out, and he lives in the wilderness for seven years. But after seven years, watch what happens, Daniel chapter 4. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven... And then watch what happens. My sanity returned. In other words, I got it right. It's not about me. It's not self-focused. It's about him and who he is and that I'm blessed with what he's given me. It's not about what I can have and what I've done. I looked up to heaven and my sanity returned. And what happened? I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. And then it says, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom my advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored. Everybody say restored. I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. I realize that he knows best. I realize that his word is there for a reason, that I can put my life on his word. I trust in that, so I humble myself. So here's what I want to do now. I've told you the story, and here's the, the big concept, the Babylon mentalities that we get confused. We get things out of order. We start to think we're more important than God, his word, and his truth. And when that happens, it opens the door for confusion to come. Now suddenly we start acting and doing and believing things we never thought we would act or do or believe. Come on, anybody been there? And we get insane spiritually. We get confused spiritually. So if we're going to counter that Babylon mentality, three things have to happen. You ready? We're going to write them down. Get your notes. Write this down. 
Number one, if we're going to counter that Babylon spirit mentality, number one, here's the I will statements, three I will statements that the king makes. Number one, write this down, I will exalt God. Come on, say it with me. I will exalt God. Come on, let's try it again. I want everybody online to do it. Let's say it together. I will exalt God. You know what's crazy is we're getting ready to start football season. Do we have any football fans in the house? All right. And uh, on Saturdays is college football. It's like, it's just so awesome for those of you that love football because you got football on Saturday, you got NFL on Sunday, you got Monday night football, you got Thursday night football. Come on, it's just like OD on entertainment if you love football. So here's what's crazy. On Saturday, stadiums are filled with people that are exalting their teams. And you know, here's what they're called. They're called what? Right? So on Saturday, you can exalt something and do it crazy. Paint your body. Wear a weird outfit. Wear a jersey that's way too small for you. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you're called a what? But then if you show up in church on Sunday and you exalt God, come on, let's think about a confused mentality. That it's okay to exalt guys running around on a field. Some of them have no morals. Some of them do bad things. It's okay to, to do that and you're a fan, but if you do it to God, you're not called a fan. It's a longer word. It's called a fanatic. confusion when God created the world when God saved your soul when God provided for your need when God believed in you and no one else believed in you fanatic fan you see what God is saying is I believe that when culture tries to shift here's what we say I will Lift God up. Not my opinion, not my desires. I will exalt God. That's why the scripture says in Psalm chapter 145, verse 1, it says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. That's what we read what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. He decided to exalt and praise God. And I just want to say to you, a moment ago we were singing, this is how I fight my battles. One of the greatest ways to fight the, the infiltration of the enemy into your life is to be a person who lifts up and exalts and, and, and glorifies the name of the Lord. You begin to sing, you begin to praise, you begin to worship, you begin to give, you begin to do what God has called you to do. Exalt. I will exalt the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It's the first thing that can help you with the Babylon mentality. Here's the second thing. Not only will I will exalt God, but secondly, I will acknowledge God. That's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you are the one who created the world. You are the one who controls it all. Everything I have, I have because of you. I love this scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 4, verse 7. It says, what are you so puffed up about? Come on, it's almost like this verse was written to that Babylon spirit. What are you so puffed up about? You're looking at your hanging gardens in Babylon. 
You're looking at your new car. You're looking at that great job and that great retirement fund that's there because you think everything is secure. How many know that God can, that, that literally life can change everything in a moment? Why are you so puffed up? What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? This right here is nailing the Babylon spirit, the spirit of confusion. We get confused and think that we're the one that provides. Listen, God is the one that provided your health, provided your breath, provided your job, provided everything you have. He loves you, has a plan for you. And what happens is the devil wants you to get confused and start to think and put yourself on the throne so that you think that you got to where you are. You think you know best. You think you know how to live life. And when that happens, you get confused and you begin to shift away from God and what he has for your life. You see, I think the reason why, as Nebuchadnezzar, he exalted God and he acknowledged who God was, I think there's a reason for that. You see, when we see him, come on, let me ask this question. How many here have ever seen a rainbow? And when you see a rainbow, if someone is in the car with you, if you're driving, what do you say? Right? Look at the rainbow. There's a video out with this guy that had been doing some recreational stuff. And there were two rainbows. If you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. And he's like, oh, it's a double rainbow. Oh, he gets all excited. It's, it's a funny video, but probably shouldn't have brought that up. We'll move on. The point is, when you see it, you have to acknowledge it. Why do you think we're trying to encourage us as church people and the family of God to exalt God? Because if you'll just exalt him, when you see him, you'll start to acknowledge him. I see the rainbow. I, I got to acknowledge it. I see the goodness of God. So I've got to talk about it. I've got to, you see, every time that you tithe at the end of the service, you're acknowledging the rainbow. You're acknowledging the goodness and the greatness of God. Because you're going, look at, he's been good to me. Everything I have is from him. I'm, I'm not buying into the world. And the world says, save it for yourself. Uh, spend it on yourself. But God says, no, no, no. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, I will multiply. So if you'll give back 10%, I'll bless it and give you more. So here's what you're saying. I worship you, God. I see you, God. And so because of that, I'm acknowledging you. So every time you give, you're acknowledging. Every time you lift your hands in worship, you're acknowledging. Every time you serve. You know, one of the things for me that when I'm running and I'm praying before God, one of the first things I say in my prayer time is, God, I thank you because I know that everything, all the blessings here at Higher Vision, all the people and lives that have been changed, all of the miraculous things that have taken place, Lord, it wasn't me, it's you. And so, God, I thank you for giving me the privilege of stewarding this place. Thank you for the wonderful friendships I have. God, I acknowledge who you are. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for my health, oh God. When you see him, when you exalt him, something will happen. You'll start to acknowledge him. See, when culture's shifting, I will exalt God. I'll put him in his rightful place. Secondly, I'll acknowledge him. You say, I tell you, when you begin, listen to me for a second. When you begin to see who God really is, when you begin to see the power of his truth in his word, 
And you begin to say, Lord, I thank you. I'm going to tell you, no matter what happens in life, we're going to learn about this next week with the fiery furnace, no matter what happens, culture can't touch you. I will exalt God. I will acknowledge God. And write this down. I will humble myself. The Bible says that the king, he humbled himself. He humbled himself before the Lord. Now I'm going to give you something today that you may be a little discouraged by, but it's the truth. I mean, no, sometimes we got to speak the truth in love. You ready? Humility is coming. I'm going to say it again. Humility is coming. You can initiate it, or culture will. Humility is coming. You can initiate it. Or trials will. Or mistakes will. Or confusion will. In fact, you can make it humility or you can make it humiliation. You get to choose. Because here's what the scripture teaches us. James chapter 4. It says, humble yourself. Now notice what it says here. Humble. What's the next word? You realize that humility is not something that God does. It's something that you do. We do. You know, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In fact, one translation says it this way, clothe yourself in humility. I have never walked into my closet and had my clothes jump on my body. If that happened, I'd be calling the prayer team. We'd be anointing my closet with oil. I have to put my clothes on. Humility is a decision. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, let me end by saying this. I want to share this quote with you. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Can I say that again? You know, we talked about self-image and, and humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And that's Christ's way. Others first. First, God first. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what happens with the Babylon mentality is now it becomes self-focused. So now it becomes, I've got to be right. Now it becomes, I've got to win. Now it becomes, this is what I want, and what I want, I get. It becomes, I know best. And this confusion begins to weave its way into our heart, and the reason the confusion happens is because we put God out of his position, and we've stepped into his role. And culture will allow that to happen. Humanism years ago began to teach that in public schools and in, in, in um, public institutions is that we are God. And that's what happened in the very beginning of the Bible. The serpent said, you are God. You can be like him. 
And I want to tell you, until we say, I will put God in his place, I will exalt him, I will worship him, I will make him first, what will happen if we don't? Just like, now I'm not saying today, like King Nebuchadnezzar, that if you don't follow God's word, you're going to go insane. But I will tell you, spiritually, you will walk in a level of confusion that will limit you from walking in God's best And you'll never walk in God's promises. You'll never live the full abundant life that he has for you. You know what's beautiful about this? Everything that was stolen from Nebuchadnezzar was returned and even better. The Bible says that he received his glory and more. Everything came back when he made God first. When he built his life on on the rock. That's good news today. What do we do when culture shifts? We break the Babylon mentality and we make God first. 